episode of the Beach Catholic Podcast with Father Brian Barr. My name is Sean Greeley. I am your host for today. Um, again, our other host, Lorenz Zaragoza, is not here this week. Hopefully, he'll be joining us again soon, but he's still taking care of his uh, baby at home and taking care of his girls. But uh, as always, we do have Father Brian here. Father Brian, how are you doing today? Great, Sean. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I know... Uh, we're starting to get summer going here, and you living down here in Long Beach, I'm sure that you, you enjoy the summer, don't you? Oh yeah, that's a great place to that's a great place to be in the summer. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of starting to open up. Uh, the boardwalk was closed for about five weeks, I think. Uh, that's reopened maybe two weeks ago, and yeah, like like every everywhere else, it's kind of things are coming back to life, so it's fun. All of our listeners in Long Beach can uh, look forward to seeing Father Brian jogging on the boardwalk. And ask him if you think he's going a little too slow, that's up to you. You make that decision. Definitely is going too slow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Joining us uh, this week, along with Father Brian, uh, we have a special guest, um, Tom Griffin. Tom, how are you? Hey, Sean. Hey, Father. Doing really well. Tom, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself for those who uh, may not know you? Yeah, sure. So I, I taught for uh, two years down in Long Beach at Long Beach Catholic. Uh, when I was down there, I was also involved in youth ministry and uh, religious ed for middle school students. Uh, now, currently, I teach at Shamanad. I teach uh, senior religion. Uh, it's my, the end of my first year there, which is kind of a weird year to be a first-year rookie teacher at, at a school with all the shutdowns and everything. But uh, I love where I am and uh, very, very happy to join you guys today. Yeah, hey, we're very happy to have you you know, it's funny. I have a lot of friends who are teachers and all of them just talk about what a weird year it was. So I can't imagine it being your first year doing it, but kudos to you, man. That's great. Yeah. Try my best. Try my best. And, uh, you know, tonight we want to talk a little bit about an article that you wrote and, uh, just a primer for the audience. The, the article talks a little bit, it's on catholicexchange.com and it's titled, um, lessons from worshiping in exile. It talks a little bit about coronavirus and what it's going to mean to go to church after coronavirus restrictions come to an end. Tom, why don't you get into that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So uh, really the the origin of the article was really just taking a look at some of these Old Testament, uh, two Old Testament uh, scripture passages and trying to figure out how we can learn uh, how to worship from them, uh, really how we learn how to worship negatively from them. So the first one is uh, in Genesis. Once Adam and Eve are created, all of creation is moving towards uh, the seventh day of rest when they're going to just be with God and be united to God perfectly in worship. Uh, so from the beginning, we see that God wants humanity to worship him. Uh, and then we have the fall of Adam and Eve. And really the, the, the moving point for the fall is they're told, if you take the fruit, you'll become like gods, right? The tree is the knowledge of good and evil. So if they take the fruit, they're going to know what's right and wrong, and they're going to be able to determine for themselves what is right or wrong. And the second passage is in Exodus with the golden calf. So Moses is up on Mount Sinai. He's receiving the Ten Commandments. And while he's receiving that, people grow impatient. He's gone uh, for an extended period of time, and they decide that they're going to decide what worship is, craft a golden calf, start worshiping it. Uh, so really, it's all about their impatience. So I kind of play off of these two ideas of uh, determining your own worship uh, and also impatience with God. And I think that in our current situation, uh, with having this lapse of time when we're not in church praying together at Mass, uh, there's this tendency 
I think, for some people to say, if I went this long without it, do I really need to go back? Like, what Has it really made a difference in my life not being there at church? Maybe I'm just going to decide for myself uh, that I don't need to go. And the other one is just becoming impatient with God, impatient with the restrictions, right? Even I'm sure Father Brian would be able to tell us once we get back, things are just going to look differently in regards to the capacity that we can have and how it's going to look. So I think these are two things that we need to kind of beware of is determining for ourselves what worship is uh, and not becoming impatient with how worship is going to look. I think those are all valid concerns. I know um, even just for myself during, during the whole quarantine session with all the recorded masses or just doing mass readings on my own, I had to always fight the temptation not to bring my coffee with me or, you know, oftentimes fell to that temptation. So, you know, I could be sitting there watching mass on TV instead of being in the pew. Father Brian, you are obviously a pastor of your own parish, and I'm curious, does, does this worry you at all? Are you worried that parishioners that normally do come on Sunday might start to uh, feel less obligated to do so as a result of all of this? Yeah, I'd say I am a little bit. Um, kind of, I'm kind of worried and also excited, um, and I think it, it's worried about... Um, certain people and, and, and uh, their perspective. Um, and I'm excited about other people who've got a different perspective and understanding of the Eucharist. Um, and I'm excited to uh, see and kind of witness their response. Um, what I mean is I think, you know, lots of people, all, all different types of people go to church on, on, a, on, a, on a Sunday in a parish. Um, obviously different ages and people come from different places and experiences. And they also come from a different um, understanding of what the Eucharist is, right? Um, some come for very kind of minimalistic reasons. They go because they have to go, um, which is more than most people are doing, but let's just kind of critique it for a moment. Like they come, it's sort of just pretty much just out of a sense of obligation. You get other people that are like, no, it's, I'm, I'm here because I want to be here. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I have to be here, but that's secondary. Like, I want to be here. So two different people, they're both in the same place, or they'll both be coming back to the same place, uh, or coming off this quarantine. I think there we, you may see kind of the different reactions. It's like I, I was thinking about it like uh, earlier today, like it's, you know, you ever watch a, say you're watching a game with somebody, uh, whatever, baseball game, um, and it's uh, with somebody who doesn't really know, doesn't understand the game. Like they literally may not, they don't know the rules um, or very, very basic understanding. You're sitting there and say you love the game. Like you're both watching it. You're both in a sense there. But I mean, you're just, you know, the person who, who, who gets the game they're seeing things and understanding things and appreciating things that the other person is just gone going right over their head or maybe even more so like art, like somebody, you know, a piece of music or a great film or something like that. If you appreciate this director uh, or this, this, any artist, you're just, you get it on another level. And I think same thing with very similar with faith. And maybe that's where you're going to kind of see sort of like this sort of separating. You know, those who 
like the person who's kind of watching the baseball game is just kind of politely being there, but doesn't really get strategy, doesn't really get the game. Will they, will you see, will they respond to the return a little bit like the way Tom, you, you, you throw out your article and the person who loves the film, who loves the, loves the game, they're just saying, I, I haven't, I haven't been able to watch the game in, in three months and I haven't been able to, you know, listen to the music in so long and I just can't wait to be back. Um, I love that imagery because I'm picturing when football season starts to get going and it's just going to be like the first sport that's happened in months. Right. Myself, who is like a diehard football fan, I love fantasy football, everything about it. I'm going to be so tuned into that. I'm going to be like my girlfriend who's just going to be watching games because I'm watching them and because I'm dragging her along into it, right? Um, that's almost like the person who gets brought along because they have to go to mass. You think about like maybe a teenager or maybe somebody who just feels like it's an obligation without any real connection. Um, and maybe those are the people at greater risk. I think you could be onto something there. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with, uh, like both of you are saying, like the perspective of people and I've been reflecting a lot of it for myself is like, what is my major uh, reason for going to mass? Like, what am I, what am I showing up for? And now it's, what am I showing up virtually for, you know, when I'm watching mass? Uh, so I think that it's all about this perspective that uh, people go into mass with. Uh, and I think this whole pandemic and the removal of Sunday worship as we know it is, uh, it's forcing people to sit with that. And I think that I'm very curious to see what happens uh, when we get back. But in regards to perspective, like there's a, a, a great teacher mentor of mine always told me like, you can't always look at the classroom from the mentality of the teacher's perspective. You have to look at how is the kid uh, receiving your lesson and not just a normal kid or not you as a kid, but kids from all different levels. Um, so I think that, What's interesting for me and what I've been trying to look at recently is what's God's perspective of all this? I mean, what's, we're all saying like, who is, who's in, who's, who's out, who's really in it, who wants to be there, receive the Eucharist. But I think like in, in Genesis, once Adam and Eve, they take the fruit uh, and they take it because they want to determine what's good or bad. We have this line where it says that God is walking in the garden and he asks this question. He says, where are you? Where are you? And I think that uh, for me, so much of this pandemic until recently, I've been thinking of this stinks for me. This is rough for me. Like I can't go there. I can't receive communion. I can't see the people. I can't be uh, a part of the community. Uh, whereas God is the one who is being heard by this more than anyone being separated from us in the Eucharist. Right? In John's gospel, one of Jesus' last words are, I thirst. Mother Teresa put them next to all of her crosses in all of her communities all over the world to show that anytime we think that God is running away from us, we're sometimes can be the ones putting up the division. Now, in this case, we didn't put up the division. We're just not with him. But I think that it's been helpful for me to see that he wants us back. He wants us to be there and he wants uh, to be part of our life. I think more than uh, he ever has because of this separation, this global separation from the Eucharist that we're all experiencing together. You know, I, I think also, separation, you know, kind of, kind of an important word or uh, concept with, with this. Because, um, like, when you, when you, how often, or so often in life, when you're separated 
from something that you previously always had. Uh, well, first of all, prior to the separation, so often, like so many of us are just guilty of, uh, you just take, you take whatever it is for granted. You know, the people in your life, your health, uh, freedoms, um, like if you always had them, then you, you don't know what it's like to, to not have them until you don't have them, you know? And then it's like, you get a health scare and then, you, and then you say, I gotta get my act together. I gotta start running. I gotta start, start watching my diet, stop smoke, whatever. Um, or people, I mean, even, you know, the, the kid who goes away to college for the first semester and, you know, didn't even think for a moment he, he or she would miss his brother or sister or his parents. Um, sort of like when they left, it was like, yeah, I'll see it. The attitude was like, I'll see you at Thanksgiving. Um, and then, you know, two weeks into being away, like they start to miss them and very much look forward to seeing them again. Um, yeah, we have to be careful with uh, like the separation. Another connection to, you know, obviously everybody knows the, the issues going on currently with society and the culture, but now we had, we had isolation for so long. And then we know from either scripture or what Jesus would teach us, you know, isolation leads to division. And now we're seeing that how divided our society is because of the isolation. And yet uh, we'll go out into society and we have these masks that cover our face. Uh, I was in the store the other day uh, by my house with my wife and I walk in and right away there's this kid there, this young kid. It was one of my seniors that I taught and we were able to recognize each other just from our eyes. Mm-hmm. So even though I hadn't seen him since March, I took very little for us to kind of uh, reignite or re-spark this reality of like, I know you. And I think that I'm hopeful that that's going to be the experience when people get back to church. Yeah. They're going to get back and they're going to say, I can't really recognize this. And, you know, it's like a person with a mask on, like this looks a little different. Not as many people, um, things are sectioned off. And even with what we have going on now, we can't receive the Eucharist. Right? Things look different, uh, but we're still returning to the same thing. And I think that's, a, that's like a huge message, message that we need to get across uh, to people that even though it's going to look different, uh, this isn't the time to be divided in regards to uh, creating your own worship. And it's not the time to become impatient with God because he's, like, he's grasping for us, can't wait for us to get back. Well, the impatient piece, um, yeah, you, you, you know, I'm hearing it almost, maybe almost every day when it, if I run into people in town, you know, parishioners just, some of them just sort of like, they're, they're annoyed, like when, and I am, you know, like we all are to certain degrees, like you can have 50 gazillion people on the boardwalk walking around um, and we can't be together in the context of mass and you know or even you referenced you know these last couple of terrible this terrible week we've had here in our country um you know just people gathering you know to protest um in in massive numbers and you know distancing seems to have kind of kind of the need for it or the expectation of it has kind of disappeared and, and again it's like and we can't we can't be be here. And I know it's kind of complicated. There's 
there's, there's things to consider here, you know, just the reality, the physical reality of the Eucharist and physical contact. And um, so I, I, I get that, but I also get the frustration, you know, uh, your reference to, you know, the people who are, who are so, they were losing patience in the desert, you know, same thing or, or similar thing anyway. And understandable. You know, I think a lot of uh, all this talk about worship and, and kind of the things, you know, within the quarantine and you know, patience, I think of uh, it, it all, a lot of it revolves around relationships. You know, you're talking about college kid who starts to miss his family after a couple of weeks being away or um, even Tom, you and your student that you saw and, you know, the, you guys have that prior relationship and you were able to instantly recognize each other and kind of maybe get a little bit of joy out of that. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, Tom, what are your thoughts on the importance of relationship within the context of worship? You know, um, especially, you know, a relationship with God. What is the importance of that within the context of uh, proper worship? Yeah, I think a perfect question, because like I had said before, and I, I think I referenced it in the article, is how God, he makes us to worship. Uh, and so many scholars on Genesis say that like, the, the Garden of Eden is basically like the first temple. And Adam and Eve are the ones who, they're the temple bearers, and their whole goal is to take care of the temple. But on the Sabbath, on Sunday, everything is going towards that moment where, like Sean, you said awesome in the beginning, like how we, we re, we're going to return this to God. We need to return something to God. Um, so the first thing is we need to praise God because he has given us everything. So it's our duty. It's our obligation, uh, to return that to him, which leads to us adoring God, um, which is like we have Eucharistic adoration, right? And that word comes literally from like face to face or mouth to mouth. So looking at God, uh, which leads to this unity with God. Uh, so worship is like this, this movement, this climb up the mountain, where we go from recognizing we've been given everything. I want to return something to him. I adore God for all he's given me. And then I get to the moment when I'm completely united to God. And I think that God wants to, he wants to like Christify us. Like he wants to make us just like Christ. Uh, and the best part, and I think the part with my impatience or frustration is like, we're supposed to be able to receive the Eucharist, right? So the, uh, Jesus doesn't say take and look at or take and just, you know, put it in your pocket. He says take and eat. Uh, so we have the beautiful understanding of Eucharistic adoration, which we need. And we also need to have this capacity to receive the Eucharist when it is time. Um, but the best part about worship is that we become united to God. In regards to the Eucharist, God literally becomes a part of us. Uh, and I think that's the so that's the abundance of the Eucharist. That, that's the goal of worship, is to become like God, to become united to him, and to take part in his life. You know, I, I think the, um, the communal aspect as, as well, um, you know, and the importance of that, and, and maybe the absence of that, people are... Feeling more than more than ever because we've, we've never we've never had this situation. Um, but like the the uh, the power of and the importance of being with other people in prayer and in the giving back in in, in the adoration. Um, I'm thinking we you know we, we mentioned well at least in the past 
this beach mass that we have down here on Long Beach. And it's a great, we have it on Sunday nights in July and August. And if it's, it's this thing that has just sort of grown over the years. And it's, it's an amazing night. Um, you know, you can, almost on average, we get about a thousand people at it. There's, uh, you know, you're on the sand. So, you know, people bring uh, beach chairs with them. And, and, I, and I'm uh, just struck, uh, you know, from my perspective, because I'm, you know, looking at the people, they're kind of facing the water. Um, and just when you look at people, uh, particularly, you know, when they kneel, like in the Eucharistic prayer, uh, I'll ask people, uh, you know, I'll say, hey, if, you, if, you, if you're comfortable kneeling, you know, some of the older people might have a tough time with it, but, but the majority do. Like, they, so you've got hundreds, like hundreds of people kneeling, and, and I'll look out, and the longer I'm here, and the down in this parish, and these parishes, like, you just get to know people, and I think there's, like, an enormous power in, like, you know, you're, you're, you're kneeling, and then if you kind of look to your right, six or eight people down, like, you see this, you know, this guy that you grew up with, you know, a dozen years before in, in school or something, and he or she is there, and you know, that happens in church, I mean, it happens everywhere, but, may, I don't know, maybe outside in the, the scope of it, the numbers and the setting, makes you more aware of it, but just there's power in that. There's power in, you know, the strength in numbers, cliche, but so just being around people, especially when it's people of your, you know, your time, whatever that is. So, you know, your age, they're kind of coming from a similar uh, experience of life as yourself. And just their, their presence communicates a lot about kind of who they are and there's power in that. It's just this, this, this power that comes from that. Um, and, you know, we haven't had that. Um, you know, I do think, I think, you know, I think we've, we've talked a little bit about this maybe the last couple of weeks in different ways, but I've had some really great conversations with people about their experience of having, you know, watching mass in their living room. And Tom, you, you wrote another article about this a couple of weeks ago about like, don't just sort of be a spectator. Like you gotta, we're not there, but you gotta participate. So just sort of practical stuff, like when it's time to respond, respond. Uh, even though it's just, you know, you and your 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 kid, or you and your wife, you and your family, whoever that whoever's there. Like I suspect there was a, and you know, people have said this, like kind of it was kind of like a initially an awkwardness in that. Like okay, we gonna. Are we really going to do this whole thing? Like we're here, you know, we're watching, but like, are we, should we really kneel when it's time to kneel? And should we, when the gospel is read, normally we stand, should we actually get up off the couch? And, and that little bit, like, how far are we going to go with this? Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people, uh, you know, didn't. Like they just were a little bit more in the bleachers uh, than they maybe could have been in retrospect. But then others, and this is what kind of inspired me, was hearing people just talk about that. Like I, I talked to somebody just the other day who said he, he, he was watching mass, uh, I think in, in his, in his bedroom and he got up at one point and he walked by and saw his mom watching, you know, on a, on a TV or a device in another room. He just saw her on her knees and how it was just, just the optics of that were powerful. Um, and I think, I think in some cases it had to have created like a little bit of a, 
a, a new experience for families. Yeah, the four of us say it's a family. We all show up in church and we, we sit and stand and respond and we should. We cut, but everybody does that. But now when it's at home, different and, you know, good different. And for especially those who said, no, let's, let's really pursue this. Let's, let's take this. Let's go the whole way with it. So I think there's like a, there's like a total upside to this. I know uh, I think about 100% think about community when it's like, why do we have to be in a church? It's like, well, number one, like, that's where Jesus is in the Eucharist. Number two, that's where Jesus is and all of the people around you, right? Um, and I think there is a really keen sense of, like, the physicality of Catholicism, you know? Because um, all of us can sit home and, and listen to a homily on a podcast or something or watch uh, mass on TV and we can feel really good and really spiritually connected to God. And you can be spiritually connected to God in that way, but you don't have the physical, the physical side of it, you know, and God created us body and spirit and just create spirit. Um, Tom, do you want to maybe get into what, what's the importance of that? Why is it important that there's a physical aspect of, you know, worship and sacraments and, and kind of everything that goes along with that? Yeah, definitely. So just to continue, like, same theme that, that we've been talking about with, with Adam and Eve, uh, I heard, I think it was, I want to say it was Christopher West, who's this very awesome speaker, uh, talks about a lot of different topics, but he basically says every sin uh, is a separation of the physical from the spiritual. Uh, so God makes us body and soul, and anytime we try to just focus on the physical, we commit a sin, or just focus on the spiritual, uh, we commit a sin. Uh, which is the reason why when God creates us, we're created and we're not supposed to die. So the effect of sin is that our body and our soul separates like for a permanent, for a certain amount of time. Uh, but in regards to our faith, our Bishop Barron says that the Catholic thing, the thing that separates us from any other religion that ever existed is the incarnation, God becoming one of us. Uh, so in regards to our faith, everything that we do with the sacraments has to do with some material substance, but also uh, some spiritual substance. And even in regards to culture, I've been thinking about this, not to like harp on again, what's going on in the society, but even the word culture, right, in the beginning of the word is cult, right? So it's about worship. So in our society, we, every single person who's ever existed worships something, whether it's money or power or control or God, we all worship something. And I think that for me, uh, the reason why I, I wanted to do the virtual mass and the reason why I wanted to try to do it right, the sitting and the standing and speaking, is because the first time I did it, I had a cup of coffee, I had my cell phone, and I had my other computer up with my work that I was doing, trying to watch a mass. And then it was three quarters of the way through. And I think I was watching the elegant Father Brian. And he, of course, was you know, doing some profound truth that you know, was very hard for me to grasp. And, uh, at, at that point, I was like, I'm getting nothing out of this. Uh, so we have, to, uh, we have to do our best to realize that um, when, we're, when we're at this, even a virtual mass, uh, the physical nature still counts, uh, even if we're separated from the mass. 100%. I think that's great. Father Brian, what a, if, you could, if you could ask your parishioners to 
you know, either do something or think about something or pray about something before they return to physical mass for the first time after the last three or four months, what would you tell them? Is there, you know, a certain prayer you'd want them to say? Is there certain, something you'd want them to read or just, you know, any kind of practical advice for that? How much money should I give to the church? That's right. <laughs> yeah, for, first of all, make up for all the donations the weeks you want. Besides that. Like you said, um, you know, I, I've been wondering, uh, and maybe I think I've been thinking, I've been wondering, like, how am I going to articulate this? I mean, this coming Sunday is uh, Corpus Christi. Yeah, feast of the, the body and blood of Christ. You know, a whole weekend every year where we just total focus on the Eucharist. You know, and what it means to us. So I was thinking, like, you know, clearly, you know, certainly, I'm going to reference like the fact that everything we're talking about here, like that we haven't been praying, having this experience in a, in a typical way. We've been many people, most have been deprived of it for a long time, and. So, like, what do you miss? What do you, what do you miss about um, to just to think, to think about that and pray about it? And maybe you know, in the ideal world, even have a conversation with somebody about it. Like, okay, we're going to be coming back, coming back soon. I mean, very specifically, it's frustrating. We're we're going to have public masses again, but we're not going to be able to receive at least, I think, probably for a couple of weeks, which is. It's almost like a tease in a way. It's like we're, we're allowed to come in, but we can't literally partake in that. You're invited to the, to the party, but you can't have anything to eat. Um, but we're getting closer to it. But like, so what, you know, we, we uh, you know, when you have to, and you guys have all done this. I mean, Tom, you, you teach, and Sean, you've done, you know, the ministry you did uh, the colleges the last couple of years. Like when you, I do it when I, as a priest, like you, when you have to present about something, you know, you have to get up and say, Tom, you have, you have a lecture, a 40 minute lecture with a, a bunch of high school seniors. I mean, you can't wing it, obviously. Like you gotta, you gotta give some serious thought or Sean probably retreats that you worked on with college kids and like you, you, you build like almost a relationship with that which you're kind of talking about. Um, you know, we're kind of forced to do that because it's our job. Um, hopefully, we're doing it for other reasons as well. And we don't, we're not, we don't feel like we just have to do it, but you don't want to look like a jackass is what, it, you know, part of it is that. Like, I, I want to have something to say here. And uh, to, to almost like a little bit of that, like when I, not to ask people to get up and talk about how did this sort of desert time impact your understanding of, of the Eucharist. But I think that's an interesting question for people to kind of reflect on again, like prayerfully, just individually and you know, ideally conversationally. Like, Yeah. I think the, like the reflection piece is huge. You know, reflecting on how this time impacted you. Uh, Cause I've had, I have like a hundred and, like 190 students at Shaman, 190, like 17 year old boys trying to talk to them about God, right? It's a blast. Oh, it's a lot of fun. But it's, uh, a lot of them have reached out to me and saying, uh, you know, every day we have prayer in the beginning of the day, prayer before every class. We have opportunity to go to the chapel, all this stuff. And all that was taken away from them, stripped away from them. And some of them are reflecting on the fact of how, uh, first of all, it's just totally different. Second of all, they really miss it. 
And now they like, they have no God in their life and it doesn't feel good. And I think that at a minimum, uh, that's what this time of separation, I think, can teach people is that, uh, you know, we're made to be with God. And if I don't have him on some level, uh, whether it's the virtual stuff and now as we move towards being back uh, in the churches, uh, it has to be more than just the minimum of giving to God on Sunday. And God always calls us to the maximum, not the minimum. But I think it's, it's kind of, uh, I didn't realize it was Corpus Christi this weekend, but kind of in some way providential. It. I know. The feast that celebrates all that the Eucharist is, is the first time we're going to be able to be back together at that time together. Um, you know, and, and is it, is it uh, you know, you know, you know, people who grew up, you grew up in a, some, some people grew up in a family where going to mass was just an absolute given. Like the prospect of not going was, was never a possibility. You know, whether it was, you know, vacations you went on, um, crazy busy weekends, like you just, it was sort of like, it, it was prioritized in a certain way. So like you just, you figured out, okay, this Sunday is going to be crazy in the, in the morning. So, we're going to go Saturday night or whatever, or you're on vacation and, and somebody figured out where the church was. And then, and then and somebody, else, somebody else grew up in the family where it wasn't quite that. Like they didn't go, they didn't go on the weekend, uh, on holiday, uh, vacations. And, you know, if you had a, a term paper due, you just, you said, all right, this weekend I'm not going to go. And like, you kind of, so anyway, there, there was, there was a different experience of like the level how high we place this in our set of priorities. And, you know, wouldn't it be great that, and I think those who kind of grew up in or influenced by the first example, especially as you get older, you know, when you were a kid, you might've been like, oh my God, this is just pain. Like it was, it was all, you know, something you always had to do. But at a certain point, I think if we're kind of thinking about this, you go, you go, it becomes something that like this amazing gift that was, left to you, you know, the, the faith of your parents or the, the faith of someone or some group. And it ultimately really did kind of, it made its way to your heart. Um, so you kind of approach weekends that way. Like it's just, I would never not, I would never, I, I could never forget to get to mass on a Sunday. I couldn't, like it, on some level of my awareness or subconscious or whatever, like it's always there. Um, whereas other people say, God, man, I just, I forgot. Anyway, to, to get closer to that, the first example, like, wouldn't it be great if because of all this whole, this whole time and the absence, um, you know, when we started, you know, when the whole lockdown began, I think that I do these little videos, sometimes just an announcement, like in the beginning it was okay. This is how you get on is what our website address is for the live streaming and just nuts and bolts stuff at the beginning. And I remember the first one, I, I think it was the first one I did, I talked about um, Irish history, these, these people in Ireland in you know, the 16th and 17th century when the church was outlawed. You know, the English made being Catholic essentially largely illegal. Could, churches were closed, sacraments were done. So what people did was they went underground and uh, in the in the dark at night, 
literally, they went to these out-of-the-way places and they, would, they created these sort of natural chapels. And they'd find a rock that became the altar, the mass rock. And they just became these very powerful, like it was like, we will not go without this. And in that case, in, in that, those circumstances, it was like at the risk of serious penalty, like imprisonment, in some cases, maybe death. Um, so just like, you know, and I tried to kind of make it an uh, analogy to like, we're going to, we're going to have to, so they, they found a way to get to mass. And I was trying to say was, this is going to be the way we're going to have to do it. We're going to, we, we can't be here in person. You can't be in your, they couldn't be in their parish church and neither can we. So we're going to have to be together this way. Um, I'm sure they didn't see, we see it. I think that's cool. Like those mass, that kind of story. We look at it now retrospectively, like how awesome that is. And I'm sure they hated it. I bet they were like, I want to be in my church. I don't want to be out by some rock in the woods. But like being inspired by that. Um, It's so funny you bring that up. Like, um, I mean, that literally happens now. You think about like in in China, Catholics can't worship openly right now. Or at the beginning of the church, like there's catacombs in Rome littered with the the bones of the early Christians who were persecuted and killed because they were worshiping God at the altar. Meanwhile, today. I know I have people in my life who won't go to mass on Sunday and they say, well, God understands. I have some other stuff going on. It's like, no, God doesn't understand. He's literally giving himself, re-sacrificing his life every Sunday for you and pouring out love and mercy eternally. And you're choosing not to do it because yeah, you have a term paper or you have to go to soccer practice or your friends are going to brunch and you want to have a couple mimosas and there's just no time for mass. You know, that, that to me is something that, you know, I, I try to think about and I would encourage people to think about, you know, like God is putting himself out there for you and he's not going to force you. He's not that overbearing parent by any means. He's going to grab you by the arm and pull you into the church. But he is, he is noticing when you're not going and he doesn't understand in the sense that he's saying it's okay. You know, um, definitely, definitely a mindset to try to resist uh, for for everybody, I think as we're as we're returning to physical mass. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think that uh, I think the church needs to be ready uh, to do that in a better way. Uh, I think that I know we have all these moments where like we're reopening. It's, uh, we can't just reopen and say nothing about the time that we've lost. Like there has to be some recognition that. This is not how things should be. And I think that it's a, it's a great opportunity for the church and for, and something that I want to do better is reach out to friends or people my age or family members who maybe they, they're not on the same degree of understanding of, you know, that God is there waiting for them uh, and trying to do some form of outreach to them. But I also think that uh, as members inside the church, uh, this is a great opportunity to say, like, Corpus Christi, Eucharist, this is what it's about. Uh, this is what it's about to, to worship God, to be with each other. Uh, so I just, um, I'm praying and hoping that there's ways, creative ways for people to do it individually, but also the church to do a great job of saying, uh, we don't just show up here because we're bored and we want to take your money. Mm-hmm. Um, we come here because you know, God is desperately desiring to be in this relationship with you. Is, 
suffocating for you at each mass on the altar. And uh, I think there, there's a lot of great opportunity to explain that to people with a new different perspective that they'll have of so many hundred, whatever, a hundred thousand people dead or more. Uh, and then all the disruption in the, going on in the society uh, that this time more than ever, at least in my life, like our country, our nation, our globe needs God. Um, with churches reopening, it's the perfect timing. Yep, absolutely. And uh, that sounds like it might be a good place to wrap up the conversation. But before we do, um, Tom, do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave off with? Yeah, I think that um, just figuring out different ways that you could come back. Like Sean, you had a great question to Father Brian about what to ask people to pray for when they return. Uh, it's a lot of times when I open up a class, uh, we'll start with a prayer and I'll just tell the kids to think of one person, one thing that they need help with. Uh, so I think as we return to mass, like coming to mass with something, and that's not hard to do nowadays. Like we can all find something to bring to God. Uh, so whether you don't feel safe going back to mass this weekend and it's going to be virtual, like make it the best virtual mass you've ever attended. Sit, stand, kneel, say the responses close your eyes during communion. And if you're, if you're able to go and you feel safe enough to go to actual mass, like come with some really powerful intentions about ask God to change your life, to change the world and for something to really be powerful for you in that moment. I think that'll make all the difference. It's this awareness of coming into the situation saying God is going to be there and I need his help. Uh, that's excellent. Um, for myself, I would say take advantage of the physical nature of our faith, you know, and obviously the Eucharist being the, the pinnacle of that, but um, go to confession if you haven't in a while. It's, it's sacraments are like the cornerstones of our faith and confession is so powerful and really kind of prepares you internally to receive the Eucharist. Um, so yeah, we're excited to go back to mass because the Eucharist is available to us. But make sure you go to confession if you haven't in a while. You know, take the time from now until you get back to Mass to really examine what have I done wrong. Or even if it's just been since the beginning of quarantine, it's been four months about approximately. So um, take the time to think about where have I sinned? Where have I not chosen to follow God and love him? And then go to confession. Talk to Jesus about it in the sacrament. Um, so that's, that's my two cents. Father Brian, any closing comments? Yeah, maybe just, uh, maybe just sort of a, it's a variation of, Tom, what you said, that um, maybe a question would, we all ask or should ask is like, how do we come back better? Um, you know, the, the person who, who had the, the heart attack and, uh, you know, was out of commission maybe because of it, was out of work for, uh, you know, wasn't working for a while because it wasn't as present to his family because of the, the, the health issue. And now he's, he's now coming back like he or she, like that person's like, you know, wouldn't it be good for that person to say like, how do I, how do I come back here to those, those communities? You know, certainly my family, uh, my friends, my work responsibly, how do I come back a better, better person? You know, uh, some of it might be practical if it's a health thing, like uh, how do I be more disciplined in terms of, you know, my health, um, make, make, make good habits and break bad habits. And, and then anyway, how do I return to 
my, my disrupted life better than I was before I left. And maybe the, maybe the same, the same principle, the same question, how do we come back to our, you know, our faith life, our church life, um, in some respects, our, our prayer life. I mean, hopefully that hasn't just stopped during this time, but um, how do we come back better, you know, sons and daughters uh, of the Father? Love it. Um, and before we wrap up, Father Brian, I know you guys at St. Mary, you're starting Masses up again this weekend. How are you guys going about doing that? What, what kind of stuff do you want people to know about? Good, I'm glad you asked. Uh, yeah, we're, we're really kind of... T- Decided today, uh, we're sitting around with uh, some of the staff staff people here. Um, what we're going to do is uh, we're just going to we're going to return the schedule the, to the pre-corona schedule. So uh, whatever the schedule was at, at St. Mary's and whatever it was at uh, Miraculous Metal, um, we're going to go back to that. Um, confession you mentioned, we'll we'll have confessions on on, on Saturday afternoon at three at St. Mary's when we normally do. The only difference would be uh, some of those masses, most of those masses, if we can, we're going to try and have them outside uh, the parking lot here at St. Mary's. So the Saturday night mass and the, the 11.15 on Sunday, Sunday morning, those two get pretty large crowds. Uh, weather permits, we'll be out in the lot um, just to create, allow for more people and you know, just get out in the air, I think, better than being inside. Uh, and we'll do similar down at, at Miraculous Metal. The early one, 7.30, I think we'll, we'll just stay inside. But then the uh, 10.30, they have the grotto down at Miraculous Metal. Quite look at this beautiful, beautiful little kind of park. Um, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll sell, sell, set up things. We'll have mass there. Uh, weekday, same thing. Starting Monday, we'll be back. Our regular schedule will be back in place. So... We're back, or we will be back starting this weekend. We just hopefully will be outside a little bit more than, than not. And then uh, we'll see where it all goes. And then hopefully, you know, in a couple of weeks, we'll be able to complete it all with uh, the reception of the, the sacrament. Awesome. Yeah, I know. I'm excited to hopefully be able to get back to the Mass and, um, yeah, just see everybody and hoping that everybody will continue to stay safe and, you know, all the, all the things that go along with that. But I know I, for one, and many other people are excited to get back and be able to pray together in that way. Um, so uh, if you're watching at home, uh, you can catch this episode and all of our episodes that we've recorded at facebook.com slash St. Mary of the Isle or at beachcatholic.com slash TV. We talked a lot about the uh, article that Tom wrote Uh, It's titled The Lessons from Worshiping in Exile, and you can find it at catholicexchange.com, again, by Thomas Griffin. Tom, we had your brother on a couple uh, episodes ago, and it's been kind of confusing. I keep trying to call you Mike um, because you look exactly alike. but I'm surprised it didn't happen. I can't believe it hasn't, so I'm very proud of myself. Uh, I don't like to be confused with him, though. (laughs) Well... In any case, we definitely appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. Father Brian, do you want to close us out in prayer? Sure. Let's, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we could just pray for, uh, that we just, uh, that we come back uh, better and stronger, more authentic, more humble, more reverent. Pray for our, we ask for blessings on our church uh, and also for our country. Um, in a very real way, 
terrible days that we pray for uh, you know, restoration of uh, certainly peace and uh, pursuit of justice. Pray for the safety of uh, all those who protect us and defend us, namely, most especially maybe uh, police officers. Um, pray for a, a, a respect for uh, our history and the values which uh, kind of formed our country, that uh, that which maybe have been lost and forgotten, that be, be remembered and, uh, and honored. So, uh, in both cases, on an ecclesial level and on a national level, we ask for uh, for healing and for uh, strengthening and for uh, your grace to be felt through it all, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Take care.